Hi everyone, welcome to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. I'm your host, Bill DeFilippo, back after a quick uh, stint on the disabled list. I'm joined today uh, by my co-host who did a wonderful job filling in. I would like to thank him for taking this off of my shoulders for a week. Uh, Nick Polak. Nick, what's going on, pal? Were you on the DL or were you on the IL? Uh... I, I, I'm thinking fantasy sports right now, and I'm pretty sure it's DL in fantasy football. So, or fantasy football and baseball mm. and basketball and all that. It, uh, otherwise, how are you doing? I'm doing lovely. I have aptly recovered from the disappointment of the Minnesota game, but you know, I went out, went on a nice went on a nice exploratory four mile run today. Ex- explored some new territory around my house, so I'm feeling good. Yeah, one thing that I didn't uh foresee was that uh this podcast is a bit of a coping mechanism for me which is uh a testament to how long we've been doing this but also oh my god was i mad on sunday and monday because i didn't have the chance to like talk through it and process it and (laughs) all that And, and nick you and i have again talked through and processed done all that uh, with one another, I know that over the last however many days you've gone back, you've rewatched the game, however many times you've done the passing chart, the receiver chart, all that. Before we fully put this one to bed, are there any final thoughts about the Minnesota game that, to use a phrase that every Penn Stater loves, now that you're able to look with the benefit of hindsight, uh, sticks out? Yeah, for me, when I went back and I rewatched for the passing chart and the receiving chart, like you mentioned, I, I came away even uh, both of my, all my takeaways are positive here. I came away even more impressed with the play calling uh, until they got into the red zone than I was actually during the game. Ricky Ronnie called a really really great game outside of the red zone. It's unfortunate that that didn't carry over to the red zone, um, but in line with that as well, Sean Clifford really was pretty great for a lot of the day. He started off slow. He, I think he was one for his first five. He underthrew a bunch of passes early, but once he settled in, he was really, really good. And I think the most impressive thing was his kind of his transition to. We've been talking about how he, to this point, he's been somebody who once he puts his head down to scramble and evade the pocket, he just takes off. In this game, he actually picked his head back up and looked for receivers downfield. And that's how he was able to make that one crazy body contorting throw to Pat Fryermuth. And then he also had multiple passes where he would run up and throw it just with with a foot beyond the line of scrimmage or just at the line of scrimmage, which I know we make fun of me for talking about the Seahawks a lot, but that's a very Russell Wilson thing. And that was really great to see from him. And then the other thing for me was just how good Pat Fryermuth was. He had, mm-hmm. uh, what was it, one, he had s- uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven receptions on the day. One, two, three, four of those were third downs that he turned into first downs. One of those is a fourth down, and the only catch that did not convert for a first down was a first and ten that went for nine yards. He was <laughs> absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, I it's... It's unfortunate that his effort, like, you never want to say, like, player X deserve this, player X deserve that, because it just gets to be in this weird, muddled area. But, like, it's so unfortunate because that dude deserved to be on a team that won uh, on Saturday. He really did have as good of a game as he could have. Uh, For me, 
the, the main overarching thought was, and it was something that I thought uh, Sean Fitz for 24-7 articulated really well uh, in his piece he wrote today, t- uh, today being Wednesday, uh, just that it seemed like whenever there was an opportunity for something to happen, Minnesota took better advantage of that than Penn State. And that's just something that's really disheartening. But at the same time, it's not really surprising when you think of this Minnesota team, uh, how it just has this juice about it, uh, how they got through that stretch at the beginning of the season where they had to figure out ways to win games that they probably should have lost. Well, now they're going to start figuring out how to win games that, uh, you know, how to keep doing that, how to win games against better teams, that sort of thing. And I think Penn State, it took them a little bit, a little while to wake up. Uh, once they did wake up, I think that was fantastic. I think they were able to make a game out of something that I thought had the potential to get really, really ugly. And it's just unfortunate that they couldn't dig themselves out of the hole, of whether it's because of self-inflicted mistakes, whether it's because of things that Minnesota did that, you know, were just great, or whether it was, um, you know, I'm not going to, I'm obviously not going to blame the officials for everything that happened, but let's just say there were some things in that game that I thought might have not been called that should have been called. Um, Or in the instance of one thing, it got called when it should not have been called. So it was a really rough game, a really tough game, I think, for a good number of Penn State fans to swallow. Um, I did, you know, I spoke to the Crimson Quarry guys uh, about this game, and it's very interesting, Nick. Uh, and I want to know if you think this is, uh, we'll go with the likelihood of this happening, where it went from Penn State looked like it was one, you know, it was going to go to Ohio State, whatever against uh, the Buckeyes, but they were still going to go to a New Year's Six game. I cannot get the thought out of my head that it is now on the table that they go nine and four for the second year in a row. Do you have any concerns about that happening? Or are you basically in a spot where it's like, listen, that's the disaster scenario. I can't focus too much on um, them losing to Indiana, then lo- them losing to Ohio State, and then them losing in whatever bowl game that they go to. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's on the table, right? It Indiana is a good team, and we're going to get into that in a second. But I think just what we've seen from this Penn State team – I think they're going to be able to get a win, especially when they'll be back at home for the first time in at least a month at this point. I think they're going to be able to get a win against this Indiana team. So I I I don't foresee 9 and 3. I actually I think they have a pretty I guess we can talk about this later, but I think they still have a pretty clear-cut path to a New Year's 6 game. But I I think they'll I think they'll get it done this weekend. Uh, I'm inclined to agree uh, and I think that's the perfect segue into talking into what is the biggest thing that we are going to, the biggest game that we're going to watch this weekend. Of course, I'm talking about the United States men's national team playing host to Canada in Orlando in the CONCACAF Nations League. Nick, after what happened in the last match, I think everyone's going to have their eyes on that. Do you think that they need to win here? And if they aren't able to get three points against the Canadians, that Greg Berhalter should keep his job? Go Sounders. God damn it. I walked right into that. Uh, yeah, we're, 
if you would like to talk about the United States men's national team, my DMs are open on Twitter, and I am more than happy to spend my entire day talking about this with you. Uh, but let's talk about Penn State against Indiana. Uh, the Hoosiers, uh, I think everyone thought they had the potential to be a pretty solid football team. I know the Crimson Quarry guys have their nine Windiana shirts that you can go purchase. Uh, I forget who, I believe it's their home field apparel. Uh, but Indiana right now, they're a confident bunch. They are sitting at 7-2 and two on the season, 4-2 uh, and two in Big Ten play losses to Ohio State and uh, Michigan State wins over Ball State, Eastern Illinois, UConn, and then in their last four, they blew out Rutgers, they won at Maryland and Nebraska, and then they had uh, a game against Northwestern that made me very happy. Uh, they won 34-3 in that one. Then they got their bye week. They had that extra week to prepare for Penn State. And Nick, I think you and I kind of have this nasty taste in our mouths from uh, Penn State-Indiana games of past years where they always find ways to be really ugly, really gross um, football games, uh, sometimes coming down to Bill Belton having one million-yard run for a touchdown. I think this game, and this is, we'll, we'll just do the 10,000 foot thing here. I think this game really has the potential to be different from what we've come to expect out of Penn State and Indiana games. I think this has the potential to be a really high scoring, entertaining, and most importantly, well-played shootout between these two teams. I agree. Uh, before I go into that, though, first I want to ask you a question. Do you know the last time Indiana won nine games in a season? Never. 1967. Ah, see, it it feels like the answer should be... Was Corso their coach then? Uh, no, it was John Pont. Okay, when when was Corso... Was Corso good for them? I can't remember. Corso, Corso from 1973 to 1982 okay. won two games, one game, two games, five games, five games, four games, eight games, six games, three games, five games. Yeah, so... <laughs> In the history of Indiana football, he is the greatest coach in history. Yeah, not, not the most sterling record. And before 1967, the last time they won nine games was 1945, Yeah, I when mean, they this, were in the Western Conference. I mean, we've made on this podcast, other people on other podcasts, whatever, have made the comparison that Penn State football and Indiana basketball are two peas in the same pod, just like Penn State basketball and Indiana football are two peas in the same pod. This Indiana, it's just a different Indiana football team this year. It is. They're, I, th I said it a couple, maybe a little more than a couple podcasts ago, but uh, Chaos team has grown up. They're playing, they're playing normal, normal, well-rounded football now. They're not just relying on crazy flashes in the pan to be good they are just a straight up reliable good football team and i i'm not sure there's another team in the country that i consistently root for aside from penn state and washington state as much as i do for indiana they're they're and and i'm sure part of that probably has to do with how great of a relationship we have the, with the crimson quarry guys <laughs> but they're they're just a fun they're a fun team and they are playing just really just straight up good football. And I agree. I think this could be, I think this could end up being a pretty high scoring game. I, I mean, I hope Penn state's defense bounces back a little bit and 
does not allow that to happen. But the way Indiana's offense has been playing, I, I think it's totally reasonable to expect that. Yeah, just on the Crimson Quarry guys, if you guys haven't seen it, they have uh, their Crimson Quarry Big Ten fan base interaction tiers, and they have Penn State listed as allies uh, with Northwestern and Iowa. Uh, Then they have all their various ones, with the best one, of course, being very thin line between pals and World War III being Indiana and Michigan. Uh, But let's... (laughs) We, we won't, we'll, uh, we'll save blog talk. I'm going to talk to one of the CQ guys for a bonus pod sometime this week. So worry about that later. Let's look at this game. Uh, we'll do what we usually do off the offense versus defense thing. I'm going to start, Nick, with the less interesting of the two. Uh, Indiana's defense against Penn State's offense. Uh, the Hoosiers have a, their head coach, Tom Allen, is a, a pretty well-respected defensive guy. He knows what he is doing on that side of the ball. They have a little bit of talent, and we've seen this year that while they have been a bit leaky, Indiana does have a very solid defense. They do, and I think it kind of starts with Raekwon Jones. He's been really great for them. He's a lot of fun to watch. Um, But yeah, it's like you said, Tom Tom Allen has has this reputation as defensive coach, and while I, they don't really seem to have any um, truly standout stars. I, I, for the life of me, I can't remember the linebacker's name from a couple of years ago. Um, ah, nope, I don't have it. But, but yeah, it's it's a really it's a really solid defense. They've had they've definitely had their lapses though. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, they T Gray Scales. T Gray Scales. That's who it was. Yep. <clears throat> Bad was man. Bad man. <laughs> But like you mentioned, they've they've had their lapses. They gave up forty points to Michigan State. They, I mean, not, no one's going to blame for giving up fifty one to Ohio State, but um, the forty points to Michigan State is is really kind of jarring to see. And I'm not saying that I'm not saying the teams can't change and get better. They obviously can. I think Indiana's defense has really improved since then, but that definitely stands out. I will give you one dollar if you can guess where T. Gray Scales is playing football. Um, I, is he, I feel like I would have remembered seeing his name on the XFL draft list. So I'm going, he was pretty good. He's got to be in the NFL, right? Somewhere. Uh, no, he is with the Dallas Renegades of the XFL. Oh man. Really? I, oh, that's disappointing that I didn't yeah, it doesn't his name. appear. Yeah, it doesn't appear that they have any Penn Staters on that team. But Landry Jones is their quarterback. So, um, oh, okay, get, yeah, get get paid, Landry. However, it may come. Uh, that, but yeah, looking at this Indiana defense, uh, it is ranked. It, it is actually the worst between their offense and their defense. Thirty fifth in SP plus. Uh, as I was looking into just stats for this game, and I was looking at how these teams kind of compare with one another, the big things that stuck out to me was that it doesn't seem like this is a defense that is particularly great at those havoc plays. Uh, They're a middle-of-the-road team in terms of getting to the quarterback and uh, tackling people in the backfield. Of course, that's really, really big for Sean Clifford and whomever his running backs are, especially if uh, we aren't able to see Noah Kane and they don't have that kind of just like guy who's able to make one cut and it you know, attack a hole. They're not great at forcing interceptions, which is a huge, huge thing for Sean Clifford coming off of what has been uh, 
again, I won't totally blame him for this. I will blame uh, some guys that wore black and white on the field. Uh, a bit of a careless day with three picks. But the one thing that Indiana is very good at is 13th nationally in third down percentage. It is able to win on third down, which is something that Penn State's run a bit hot and cold at. They have to be able to attack Indiana's defense on those early downs, can't get behind this. Like It's all the stuff that we have always said about Penn State and its offense just taken to a bit of a new level because Indiana, again, good football team of well-coached defense. They have... Uh, have some talent on that defense. You mentioned Raekwon Jones. I'm going to mention Marcelino Ball. He's another guy who deserves, you know, he deserves a ton of praise for what he has done over the course of his career. He's a redshirt junior. Uh, Jones is a redshirt senior. Veteran-ish group, still a young group. But like you said, Nick, the thing that I keep coming back to with this is they have not been good on the road in Big Ten play. Yes, they allowed 40 points and 442 yards to Sparty. They also allowed 28 points to 383 yards to Maryland, 31 points and 514 yards to Nebraska. So I put all of this together, and basically what it comes down to for me is, will this bye week be enough for them to be able to come out and shore things up against a good Penn State offense? And I just have a little bit of skepticism about them being able to do that. Looking at it from Penn State's side of things then, I think they need to get off to a fast start. I I am a bit worried about not necessarily them falling behind against Indiana, but them maybe losing their mojo a little bit if they're not able to get out and put their foot on the gas. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I think that's reasonable. I, I will, to the one point you said about Penn State having trouble converting third downs. It is it is worth noting how much improved Clifford has been in that ten to nineteen yard range uh, against Minnesota. He was thirteen for nineteen from ten to nineteen yards. So that I think that's an area where the offense has actually been growing incrementally every week. And I think that I I, I mean we saw against Indiana the third down offense really for the most part was pretty great. Uh, mainly fueled by Pat Fryermuth. So I wouldn't necessarily call that a weakness, but, you know, generally in football, you don't, you don't want to consistently be in third and long. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. So I think Penn State's going to be able to move the ball. I think they're going to be able to put up points. All that. Where this game is going to be decided, and I think you will agree with me on this, is on the other side of the football, where Indiana is 15th nationally in SP+. Plus. Uh, the fact that they are... They're one of the weird teams who the fact that they are turning to their backup quarterback isn't necessarily a death knell. And yeah, it doesn't really, doesn't really mean much. No, not at all. I mean, Peyton Ramsey has been very good for them uh, when he's been asked to line up under center. And wouldn't you know it, Indiana has the best passing offense in the Big Ten, which I think is going to strike a lot of fear into Penn State fans. Nick, when I look at Penn State's defense versus Indiana's offense, I am just getting... I have to imagine that they were their offensive staff was sitting in a room on Saturday afternoon watching this game, and they were just salivating at the fact that Minnesota was RPOing Penn State to death, and they were able to 
just completely neutralized Penn State's front with a quick passing game that, they again, they were able to get basically whatever they want. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. And, you know, the, it would be nice if I could sit here and say that I think Brent Pry and the defense will come out with some adjustments this week. But we've, I mean, like uh, like Matt was writing about earlier in the week, we've seen opposing quarterbacks have quote-unquote the game of their lives against Penn State pretty regularly and I think at this point we just have to accept that prize defense is susceptible to allowing those types of short passes at, at basically they're just daring teams to beat them that way so I think you're right I think Indiana's offensive staff has to feel pretty good about what what they saw and what they're anticipating as far as their team being able to move the ball it and the funny thing about this is, while I don't think that they have a single receiver who is as good as that one-two punch uh, of Bateman and Johnson that we saw very few do. Minnesota, yeah, very few do, I think both of those guys would step into Indiana and probably be the number one option. Indiana, they have one, two, three. They have six guys Very with, spread out. with at least 20 receptions and 200 receiving yards. The, their top option, Wap Filer, is awesome. He is going to be a problem for Penn State secondary. But even going down, Ty Freifogel, Donovan Hale, Nick Westbrook are all really good options uh, in the receiving game. Stevie Scott, their running back, who he... For how I mean, Penn State's very good against the run. They also haven't played against a running back who's six two and two thirty. So that's going to be watching him and uh, Micah Parsons run into each other is going to be a whole lot of fun. That's he he is twenty three catches for two hundred and seven yards. Former future Penn Stater Peyton Hendershot at tight end twenty nine receptions. 393 yards. He stands at 6'4", 255. He's going to be a bit of a matchup problem uh, for Penn State's defense. While they won't, while I don't think Peyton Ramsey, who completing seventy-two percent of his passes, nine touchdowns, three interceptions, is going to be able to hit those deep balls and really look for those deep balls that try to stretch Penn State's defense a bit, I think it's going to be, you know, to use the soccer analogy. There are two ways to pass the ball up the field uh, in soccer. There are long balls. Uh, there are through balls. There. Are where you're basically trying to get that one pass to get free someone so they're able to get into goal, or it's pinging the ball around as many passes as possible to just try and slowly but surely get the ball to the field. It's going to be the exact same thing here. I think what Indiana is going to try and do is say, okay, you're not going to let us beat you deep. We have five or six guys we trust to catch passes. We will happily throw for six and seven yards at a time. And that's... That gives me a little bit of pause, Nick. I mean, when I when I look at this game, I think the fact that Penn State is going to be giving that kind of not giving that kind of thing up. That's what Indiana is going to No, I'll say it. Penn State will happily give that up so they don't get beaten deep. Well, that's what Indiana wants to take and I think it's going to be a it's going to be fun to watch, and very interesting to watch how Penn State reckons with the fact that Indiana is going to be happy to nickel and dime them for the entirety of this game. Yeah, um, I'm I'm really interested to see what sort of impact the return of Antonio Shelton has to the defensive line. 
as far as as far as being able to knock a quarterback off his rhythm, which I, I think we'll all agree that Shelton hasn't been a world beater this year, but he's been solid. And PJ Mustfer in his first chance to start, I would argue, you know, you he was fine, wasn't anything outstanding. Uh, he played a little better as the game went on, but I am interested to see if the Penn State defensive line is able to generate a little bit more pressure, and I'm sure we'll talk about Indiana's offensive line here in a second, but I'm interested to see if they are able to generate more pressure with the return of Shelton. Uh, Shaka Tony got close a, f- a few times against Minnesota, didn't quite get there. But the other thing is, as far as pressuring the quarterback and trying to eliminate those those dink and dunk passes without playing press coverage, I'm really curious to see what the blitzing looks like this weekend because mm-hmm. we saw Lamont Wade blitz several times against Minnesota. We saw Micah Parsons blitz uh, at least a few times, including the most I, – I will never stop talking about the sack he had because what he did to that center was – just amazing um but i'm really curious to see how they respond in that regard obviously the lamont wade blitz and garrett taylor being late to get over um is what burned them on the first touchdown against minnesota i think the first one was to tie i think the first one was to johnson i think regardless but uh the blitz is kind of what burned them there they just didn't rotate the coverage quick enough so i am really curious to see if he continues along that route as a way to try to limit those quick passes or if he trusts the defensive line and tries to let them get pressure with four and sit a few more guys back in zone to try to take some of those away. Just really interested to see what they do Mm -hmm. there. Well, here's the interesting thing with Indiana. They are 22nd nationally in sacks allowed. They've allowed 13 sacks on the season. Okay. One of those sacks was on third-string quarterback Jack Tuttle. He's thrown 10 passes this year, whatever. In a hundred, That means there are 12 left. They're in a hundred, 157 attempts for Peyton Ramsey, he's sacked, been sacked 11 times. Michael Penix, 160 pass attempts, one sack. If Penn State's pass rush is going to get home, this is the quarterback in Ramsey who they're going to be able to get home against because I have... plenty of confidence in saying they would not be getting home all that frequently, if at all, against Michael Penix. What makes this one interesting, and I spoke to uh, Kyle Swick, one of our friends over at Crimson Quarry, about this, where he gave me a little bit of, he gave me a little bit of insight into their uh, offensive line. They lost their uh, best offensive lineman, Koi Kronk, early this year. Fantastic name. Outstanding. If you think that's an outstanding name, just wait until I tell you the name of their center. They lost him earlier in the year. Um, everyone has been, a bunch of people have been banged up throughout the season, but they are at a point where everyone but Kronk is back and the line is as healthy as it's been and they just had that extra week to rest up. Left to... I, in the middle of their line, they are very experienced. They're very good. Uh, Harry Kreider at left guard, Simon Step- Stepaniak at right guard, our junior former future senior. Penn Stater. Simon Stepaniak's former future Penn Stater. Well, former had an offer visited. Okay. Yeah, um, you know. oh, yeah, that one right over my head. And then at center, Hunter Littlejohn, uh, a red shirt. I am stunned that you didn't just scream like Littlejohn. Well, so 
<laughs> so I actually, w- once once I looked at his name, I actually realized I remember him as a recruit too, um, <laughs> because this is this was back when he was class of twenty fifteen. So this is back when I still pretty regularly uh, did cared checkups on that. the rest of the well it cared, but when I pretty regularly did checks on on the rest of the Big Ten and their recruiting classes, and I remember writing his name a lot and being just giddy about it every single time. <laughs> well. Then he gets the tackles, right tackle, Caleb Jones, a redshirt sophomore, uh, played a lot of football last year. Where things get interesting is at left tackle, they're starting a young man named Matthew Bedford, who was a three-star recruit in this pack. He's a true freshman. And again, all credit to Kyle Swick of Crimson Quarry on this one. A true freshman at left tackle wasn't as big of a concern. I mean, it's always going to be a concern. It wasn't as big of a concern when their quarterback was the left-handed Michael Penix. Now it's the right-handed Peyton Ramsey. And I I, I do wonder a bit. I think Indiana is going to absolutely call plays to try and negate whatever um, issues that might cause. But I just wonder if this could be the game where whomever Penn State is putting on that side, whether it's Shaka Tony. Uh, whether it's preferably Yitor Grossmatos, whether it's a Shane Simmons, a Jason Owe, whomever, is able to get into a bit of a groove against that one guy and they target that one guy, throw blitzes at him, all that. If not, I mean, not we're going <laughs> to... It might not happen. I would probably, with what we've seen so far out of Penn State's defensive line, I'd probably bet towards that not happening that's a really bad omen heading into what's coming on the horizon, Nick. Yeah, and, and I, actually, I actually kind of meant that if if they can't do it this week, then they probably won't be able to do it not, <laughs> at not, any other point. Nick, not probably won't next week. <laughs> they won't be able to next week. Listen, we can talk about my plan for how Penn State's going to beat Ohio State when we get to next week. All right, fine. We'll do that then. Uh, so, th- I, But this is kind of the big thing for me. Penn State's pass rush... This is a good offensive line that it is going to be playing. It's a veteran quarterback with good receiving options. There's a lot of Minnesota's offense in this one, I think. It has the physical running back who's going to be going to be hard to bring down. Uh, it's going to have the again the veteran quarterback who I don't think is going to make game breaking mistakes. It's the dangerous receivers. It's the good offensive line. It's they're going to be a pretty RPO-heavy attack, I think. Putting all of this together, Nick, I think that if there is a bit of solace to the fact that, again, there's going to be a real, this could be a tough one for them, it seemed like they figured some stuff out against that kind of attack in the second half against Minnesota last week. Yeah, and I was going to comment on what you just said there about how this Indiana team has a lot of this Indiana offense has a lot of Minnesota offense in it. For Penn State, that would be a good thing because if you replay that Penn State, uh, if you replay that Penn State Minnesota game, Penn State probably wins that game. What I'd say at least seven out of ten times. Really, the the deciding thing there was the the turnover battle, and by the SP plus numbers, you could see that clearly Penn State received a lot of bad luck, but they created more scoring chances. They there's a reason that Penn State rose in SP plus this week and Minnesota dropped Penn state really played better football. Minnesota was just more opportunistic and they did 
what they needed to do to to steal that win at home. And I mean, good for them. They they totally earned. It. I'm not I'm not trying to say that Minnesota absolutely. didn't earn the win. They absolutely. absolutely did. But I I think for Penn State that you know that that's that's what you want. You obviously don't want to give up as many points defensively as they did, but offensively. I mean that that's the game that you want to play if you're Penn State. They they showed they showed explosiveness, they showed efficiency, they showed an ability to run, they showed an ability to pass. I think if you if if they play a game similar to that, I I would have a hard time seeing them losing again, especially at home. Yeah, I, I I'm inclined to agree with that. And that's the fact that this is in Happy Valley has me um yeah, big deal. That, that that's why I'm a bit well, I think you can counter that. By saying, again, something I said to the CQ guys, I'll read it verbatim. As for what this means this week, in each of the last two seasons, Penn State has lost an emotional game both times to Ohio State, then the following week came out and looked flat and lost, both times to Michigan State. That last year, this scenario played out where it was a road game followed by a home game. This is probably me just projecting anxieties that I have out onto onto, uh, everyone, but... I, I don't think it's off base to be too terrified about that. Nick, let's move into what do you think what is the biggest thing that you want to see out of Penn State in in what is suddenly a really important game against Indiana? I when I'm thinking offensively, I would really like to see them to continue to be able to run the ball. Because I thought that was a big deal against Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I thought their ability to do that is what opened up Clifford's ability to hit those passes in that 10 to 19 range. And the ability to run the ball is what really opens up the field for Pat Frymouth and for Jahan Dotson on those dig routes over the middle, like the one that he should have scored on had he not uh, slipped on the turf monster. I I really want to see them continue to not necessarily emphasize that run game. I don't want to see them run it into the ground like an NFL team and just stubbornly keep doing it. But I, I mean, I don't think that's an issue. Penn state has been a pass happy team all year, but I would really, I really want to see them. I really want to see them continue to find success on the ground. Cause I think that's, that's a game changer for this offense. For me, I just want to see Penn state. I want to see them get off to a fast start I mean, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's like the last time that these two teams played where Saquon Barkley housed the opening kickoff. It's 28 to nothing after the first quarter. Like, to be clear, if KJ Hamler wants to house the opening kickoff and Penn State wants to lead 28 to nothing after the first quarter. By all means. I would be okay with that. Uh, But what I want to see out of Penn State, I want to see them get off to that good start, that comfortable start, and make it obvious that Minnesota... They are past Minnesota because that's been the thing the last few years. They've let Ohio State beat them twice, which they've let Ohio State beat them four times, rather. Uh, They cannot let Minnesota beat them twice. And I think a great way to do that is to, you know, a quick drive on quick drive the first time the defense is out there, uh, a scoring drive the first time the offense is out there and then don't let Indiana go don't let Indiana go okay it's still early we can get back in this game assert themselves early on be the more talented and better football team that I think everyone would agree Penn State is early on so you're not at a point where you're looking up and it's the fourth quarter and you're in a fight against an Indiana team that is going to scratch and claw until that final buzzer blows so I think 
that they're going to be able to do that. Uh, before we get into predictions, let's play a quick game of fill in the blank, Nick. Penn State wins if blank. Penn State loses if blank. I think Penn State Penn State wins if they play the same game they played last week on offense. And if on defense, they can just get one or two more stops than they did. Penn State wins if it... Penn State wins if it basically makes it clear early on that they are 100% focused on this game and their minds aren't lingering uh, to what happened in the last one. Penn State loses this game if they are not able to slow down this Indiana passing attack at all because if the Hoosiers are going to be able to throw the ball on them, it's going to be a really, really long day for this defense, I fear. Uh, Getting to prediction, Penn State 14.5 point favorites over under on this one is 54 uh, and a half. Our pal Bill Connolly uh, ha- by SP Plus has Penn State 34, Indiana 22. I have something in that ballpark, Nick. What do you have? I'm thinking this ends up something like Penn State 34, Indiana 20. That's I, that's where I'm thinking. I'm at Penn State 35, Indiana 24. So I, I like how everyone has Penn State with a number that begins with a three and Indiana with a number that begins with a two. I wonder if that's a that, that, that is a consistent. I'm sure some one of the Crimson Quarry psychopaths is going to have Indiana winning this game like 10 to 9 because they're sick people. But uh, neither of you know that. I like it's really like I just I don't know. Like I can't imagine Penn State losing this game uh i think like candidly i think that while indiana is a good team i think that what they've done the last month has been a product of playing rutgers maryland nebraska and northwestern but having said that a we said that minnesota was a product of a schedule and b they do have two road wins in there and those are not games that indiana has won in years past so it'll be an interesting one uh, any final thoughts on this one nick before we go around the big ten I don't think so. I, I I I feel pretty good about this. I feel pretty good about this game. I I think what you were talking about with not letting Ohio State, not letting Minnesota beat you twice. I I think the fact that this is Indiana does play a part here, and that's that's to say nothing of uh, Indiana and their team this year. I think that they're doing great things this year. They're a really good team. Uh, I'm I'm pretty disappointed and shocked that they didn't sneak into their college football playoff rankings this week but that's oh, another sure. issue but I, I think it's it's just a different mindset when you're Penn State going into an Indiana game and I think and obviously you, do, you don't want to be you don't want to be cocky and assume a win going into it but if you're Penn State going into a game against Indiana you feel some degree of confidence Indiana's only won this game one time back in 2013 so I, I think it's a different mindset going into a game against Indiana than going into a game against Michigan State. Even though that Michigan State team that beat Penn State the last two years was nothing special, it's still it's still Michigan State. It's a different history. It's a different history of recent success. So I think the fact that the, I think the fact that this game is coming against Indiana is a good is a good thing for Penn State, regardless of how good the Hoosiers are this year, and. I really wish that both teams could win this game so Indiana could inch closer to nine and twosers. Uh it's nine Windiana. Uh um, I like I like nine and twosers personally. But they'd finish the year nine and three. Mm. 
Nine win Indiana. Uh, but it's okay. They have Michigan at home next week. And um, oh my God, am I going to be rooting for Indiana in that one? I will say uh, I'm with you. I, I'm really disappointed that Indiana wasn't able to get into a, a playoff spot. And candidly, that's something that worries me a bit heading into this one. This is a team that is, they're absolutely, uh, for my money, one of the 25 best teams in college football. And I think they're going to come out and they're going to want to play like, they're going to want to play and show that they are indeed one of, uh, they're a team that deserves to be put in there with uh, some of the best teams in the sport. So, what's uh, so Indiana, I wish you nothing but the best, but this week, if you cannot play your best, that'd be kind of cool. Please do finish 9-3, and three, though. Uh, moving on, it's Big Ten chat time, and Nick, we're starting with a nooner in Lincoln uh, on BTN. Nebraska playing host to Wisconsin in a game that I'm not going to watch any of, but man, uh, Wisconsin minus 15. I am, I I'd salivate over that one. I think Wisconsin might run them off the field. Yeah. I think when I think Wisconsin wins this game by 25, at least uh, mm-hmm. I would like to pose to you the question that I saw on ESPN today. I didn't actually get a chance to read the article yet, but the, the title of the article, it was something like is Indiana beyond saving for Scott Frost. What do you think? Is uh, Nebraska beyond saving for Scott oh, Frost? Yep, that's what I meant. Um, I think that we have the the discourse around Scott Frost is just so terrible, and I hate all of it. Like what he did at UCF was excellent. The fact that he was able to get them, he took over for a team that was winless, got them to six wins, and then got them to an undefeated season of winning the Peach Bowl. He deserves all the credit in the world for that. Um, I don't think he's necessarily some coaching savant, uh, which I think was the implication that a lot of people had with, or the assumption that a lot of people had with him. And I also think that saying that Scott Frost uh, is this like savior for Nebraska football, that kind of ignores the fact that yes, they went, you know, they won four games last year, four games the year before that. In 2016, under Mike Riley, they went nine and four. Under Bo Pelini, they won nine, ten, ten, nine, ten, nine, nine. Like, this isn't some program that is stuck in the mud or traveling the wilderness. This is a program that just doesn't have its stuff together. And there's no shame in admitting that Scott Frost might not have been. Uh, the savior to bring glory back to Nebraska football. Like the and the I I am a little I do get a little bit peeved at the notion that like the program is too far gone that even the great Scott Frost in his fourth year of being the head coach of the program isn't able to put it all together. What I do you I'm guessing you agree with me on most of this. Yeah, I'd say so. I I'm. I guess I don't. I didn't really. I'm not really thinking about it as the. I I ignored the is Indiana. God, why I keep saying Indiana? Is Nebraska beyond saving aspect of it? Because like you said, it, Nebraska doesn't necessarily need saving. I mean, I, I guess if you want to, I guess if you're a Nebraska fan, you're probably thinking about it and longing for the days of consistent national championships. So in that regard, I guess you might think they need saving of some sort. But they have been a very successful team very recently. The thing that I think is troubling about the current Nebraska team is that 
they seem to have gotten worse this year. And not not to say that Scott Frost's job there should be it shouldn't be it shouldn't be like Willie Taggart at Florida State. It shouldn't be judged in less than two seasons. I think they with all the fanfare and all the hype that went into getting him, I think they need to give him at least four. Oh, they yeah. are bar- barring like a one a one win season next year, but it it is troubling that they seem to have gotten worse this year. Yeah, they, I mean it's a program that needed to be built, and every every Nebraska prediction was predicated on the fact that Scott Frost in year two at UCF had this like magical season. That 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 doesn't have there's that's an outlier in like the world of college football, it's fine. Like Nebraska will probably end up being okay down the line. The fact that in year, you know, year two of the guy, they're not there is okay. Um, But yeah, I think Wisconsin wins this game by a lot. Um, And I think that Wisconsin is going to try and really get 100% calibrated because they end a season going to Minnesota and they're going to want to play spoiler on a, uh, on a Minnesota team that should be able to enter, I mean, we'll talk about them in a second, should be able to get into the playoff with, uh, I mean, should be able to get to the Big Ten title game with an unblemished record. So that'll be fun to watch. Um, next up on the noon slate, noon kick, big nude kickoff uh, from Ann Arbor, Michigan State, traveling to play uh, Michigan line is Michigan 13 and a half over under a 44. Nick, uh, I think Michigan is going to do to Michigan State what they did to Penn State last year. Yeah, I agree. I don't think this I don't think this is going to be close. I, I know I know it's a rivalry so you you have to consider that as well, but with just where these teams are, I think Michigan runs away with this. Yeah, I it's that and it's I think that they really, if the, the rumblings that, you know, the end might be near-ish for D'Antonio, I think Michigan's going to want to make sure they send him out with a little bit of a, with something he's not going to forget. So I think they're going to really put their foot on the gas first. And they're another team, you know, they're kind of like Wisconsin. They're going to want to get a little bit of momentum heading into their final game of the year. Michigan State at Indiana, then they're hosting Ohio State. They can play spoiler I don't think they will. They can potentially play spoiler on what might be the best team in college football making the playoff, I mean, winning the playoff. So who knows? Michigan, I think, is a much better team that they than they were during their low points this year. I'll you know I'll eat some crow on that, uh, but they're going to they're going to make a statement on this one. Do you know what time it is? Mm, is it Northwestern time? Oh yes, it is, Nick. Oh, you're. It's Northwestern. Did, did it's, you get a chance to listen to the the podcasts over the last few weeks? Uh, no, I was too busy getting my gallbladder removed from my body. Oh yeah, well I knew that. I didn't know if you also had a chance to listen in your downtime or not. Matt and I did a lot of Northwestern. We <laughs> we talked about Northwestern a lot. Well, guess what? Noon kick, BTN. We're playing the ticket price game, Nick. What is the lowest ticketed price you can get for one in eight Northwestern hosting one in nine UMass? I'm going to say $2. You got it. Yes. It was $2 last time too. (laughs) It's $2 for a game between one win teams in which one of them, Northwestern, is a 40 and a half point favorite. 
There is absolutely no shot that they cover that spread. But here's the thing, like, I'm reasonably confident in saying UMass is scoring zero points in this game. Would you agree with that? Yeah, fully. I mean, like, Northwestern's defense is fine. Like, they're probably not going to allow any points to a very, to a UMass team that is, let me check, yep, they are 118th in SP plus, SP plus offense, 138th in defense, and 65th in special teams. They're the worst team in Power 5, in uh, in uh, FBS. And yet, that's a higher offensive S&P rating than Northwestern. Northwestern, that is correct. What's going to happen in this game, UMass is going to score somewhere between 0 and 3 points. I mean, UMass is going to score somewhere between 0 and 3 points. So that 40.5 is going to have to be Northwestern winning this game 40 to nothing. Or you can look to the total, which is 56.5. Which means, if... UMass somehow scores 10 points. Northwestern has to score 47. Now, what I will say is that UMass has played one other Big Ten team this year. It was Rutgers. They lost 48 to 21. Hammer Northwestern. Uh, hammered them to cover 40 and a half against Northwestern. I might watch this game just out of a pure sickness, Nick. Uh, are you going to check out any of this? There is no part of me that will ever bet Northwestern to score 40 points in a game <laughs> is in 2019. So I do I do not agree with your assessment. I, I'm not going to bet this game because UMass is also really bad. But if I was, there's zero chance I would bet on Northwestern to cover. Um, let's see. This game's at noon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably won't watch. I, I usually I do the I just do the single TV setup when when Penn State's on. When there's other games on, I'll pull up the I'll grab the iPad and the laptop and whatnot. But um, I yeah I no. <laughs> depending on how it goes, no, I, I'm the same way. But depending on how it goes, I might feel compelled to go back and like watch this and see what happened. Um, I'll watch the highlights. Sorry, I'll watch the highlight. <laughs> well. The good thing is Penn State and Indiana ends at noon because do you know it's at three thirty? Um, let's see. Is it an Ill- no? Illinois doesn't play this week, do they? Illinois is off this week. Yeah. Mm. Oh, is it Ohio State Rutgers? It's Ohio State Rutgers ah! at highpoint.com Stadium. Ohio State's a fifty-two <laughs> point favorite. Three thirty kick on BTN. Um, the total in this is 61, and the over-under is 52. Ohio State is going to de- just destroy both of those. <laughs> Ohio yeah. State might... Ohio, what did they do? What did they put up on Maryland last week? Last week against Maryland, it was 73-14. to 14. They're going to do that again. Although the 14 isn't happening. No, they're not. Rutgers is not scoring on them. No. Um, yeah, I... Man, every part of me wants to say that Day pushes them into the 80s for this one. Yeah, now that now that Chris Ash... Like, maybe he takes his foot off the gas if Chris Ash is still there, but nah, man, he's he's just going to go for it. Especially uh, especially that they got bumped down to two. They, they got bumped down to two. Uh, they're going to have... They're going to get Chase Young back next week. Uh, after a brief two-week vacation where he didn't have to worry about uh, potentially injuring himself, like all that. I don't know. So, I don't know how they. I don't know how they survived this stretch without him. Oh yeah, I, I mean, if I were him, like I, like 
when they said you you have to miss the games against Maryland and Rutgers, I would have been like, are you sure? Because like, it's a worse punishment to have to play those football games and risk like a Charlie horse or something. The downside being that he did miss out on some sack opportunities. So I that the Heisman hope is dead. But uh, well, I mean, Burrow, Bur- Burrow's winning it regardless of what Young was doing. Neither here nor there. Uh, final game, actually, a pretty good, pretty interesting game. Uh, Four o'clock kick on Fox. Uh, Minnesota going to Kinnick uh, take on Iowa. Iowa is a three-point favorite in this one, Nick. I don't think they're going to. I think Minnesota is going to be able to take care of business this week. I so if if I were to bet this game, I will not be betting this game. But I I would take I would take Minnesota plus the points, not necessarily because I'm sure Minnesota is going to win, but I'm very sure that this game ends with a three point margin either way. I I could very much see Minnesota being in for a letdown, coming off of a win over number four Penn State at home, now going on the road to Iowa. It's never granted it's not at night but it will end late and being in Kinnick at night if you are a highly ranked team especially an undefeated one is never a good thing well the Ohio State game from two years ago wasn't at night no I'm not I'm not saying it has to be at night for yeah. all right fair yeah so I I mean I I don't think it's at all unrealistic for Indi- for Iowa to win this game I, I I keep trying to insert Indiana's name into every single thing I say about a football team I yeah I'm not sure who wins. I would definitely take the points if I was betting because I know this game is going to end with a three-point or fewer difference in the final score. But I definitely would not count out Iowa. I, I'm not counting out Iowa as much as I think Minnesota's. Like I, I just trust them in this one. Like I think that the way that they play is a way where they just don't make mistakes. And I think that the way to lose when you go into Kinnick is to shoot yourself in the foot. And I just don't think that they're going to do that. And I also, like, I have questions on whether or not uh, Iowa's defense is going to just have the horses to keep up with those two or three really good receiving threats that we saw out of Minnesota. But that that actually, uh, that'll actually be a pretty good game. Are there any... Uh... Let's look at the top 25 real quick. Anything fun? Uh, oh, no, Coach Tutty's just to play an angry Alabama. <sighs> Alabama's only favored by like 17 and a half, right? 19. Okay, so it's gone up. It was 17 and a half when I took it for my one of my pools earlier. Yeah, Alabama's going to win that game by 40. Yeah. Uh, Coach Moorhead, we love you. Tommy, we love you. Uh, good luck. Uh, Notre Dame is getting navied this week, which is fun. Uh, Notre Dame is a seven point. Nah, they're going to lose that game. You're here here first. Navy's going to beat them. Uh, Georgia Auburn in a game of programs that I just don't like. Uh, who's winning that one, Nick? Real quick. I I think Auburn wins. I I would not hate if Auburn won that football game. Uh, and then finally, uh, yeah, uh, Oklahoma Baylor. Uh, let's be 100 percent clear here. I want Oklahoma to lose. Yeah, that would be quite helpful for Penn State. Oh, oh, I, see, uh, well, not necessarily. Well, yeah. all right. I, I ver- It's the Big 12, so whoever wins this game is, is going to lose yeah. in the championship. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really would like to say that Baylor wins this game. 
I just don't think I, to beat Oklahoma, you do have to be able to score. I'm not sure Baylor will be able to score enough to win this game. I think they'll get stops, but I don't think they'll be able to put enough points on the board to win. Yeah, I think that's probably that. That is probably a fair read on. But listen, we're uh, you know Matt Rule, you're the dude. So go out there and do dude things. Uh, any, any final things before I do the uh, where I wrap this one up? Um, I don't think so. I I, I think it's going to be. I think this is going to be a good a good bounce back week for Penn State. I certainly hope so, and I'm sure all of you certainly hope so. And I also hope that you all enjoy tuning into this edition of Roar Lions Radio. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast, all the various podcast channels. I know Nick, you just added them to a few more. Is that correct? Yep, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast. Uh, apparently, we're on iHeartRadio. We're on, we're we're everywhere. You can find us everywhere now. We filled in the missing gaps. Listen, if you want to give us money for a pod to sponsor this podcast, we're everywhere. Someone's going to hear it. Someone's going to like your product. Get in touch with us. We will, as long as it does, you don't suck. We will happily let take your money uh, to let you endorse us. Uh, make sure you head on to iTunes, leave us a review. That nice five-star review would be something we would really much appreciate. Make sure you're following us, our various social media channels. Make sure you keep reading and supporting the site. And, you know, we shouted out the Nine Windiana shirts earlier in the podcast. Well, we have some pretty good shirts of our own, so please go on out there and purchase those. One last time, thank you very much for listening to this edition of Roar Lions Radio. For my co-host, Nick Pollock, I'm Bill DeFilippo. Take care, everyone. Go State. Go State. I can't do it on my own.